So after a very, very, very long wait, season four of Stranger Things, at least most of it, has now released on Netflix. And today I'm going to be giving you guys my review of volume one of season four. Hey everyone, welcome back to Movie Morning. In season four of Stranger Things, at least season four, volume one of Stranger Things, did release back on Friday. The same day as Obi-Wan, which felt like quite a while ago now, but... Obviously, this was a very busy weekend for entertainment. We had Top Gun Maverick finally releasing, and then we had Obi-Wan coming out, which, of course, I needed to talk about. And we also had Volume 1 of Stranger Things 4. Now, I am a big fan of this show. I loved Season 1. It was a massive surprise. And Season 2 was a little underwhelming, but I still sort of enjoyed it. And Season 3 brought it right back up. I am a massive fan of the show. I've pr- I, pr- I, can, I think I can easily say I love this show. And it's easily one of the best Netflix shows ever. And that's usually that's actually rare for me to agree with such a popular opinion like that. Especially when it comes to very popular TV shows. But this show really did live up to all the hype that was being built out of me. Because I watched this show around the time Season 3 was coming out. And in comparison, I actually binged Season 3 in less than 24 hours and almost in one sitting. Now in comparison to Volume 1 of Season 4, it is a lot shorter even though this is one episode less, because if you didn't know, the episodes of this seasons, each episode is pretty much a feature-length movie, because each episode is at least like an hour and ten minutes, I think most of them are, and the final episode of the volume one, episode seven, is over an hour and a half long. So this is a very long season, which is part of why it took so long, but also, I don't think this was the most bingeable season. I think part of that was because of the length, and usually when it comes to me, I really don't like pausing in between episodes. So I think that might be part of it. I was just trying to find the time to watch each episode in its individual sitting. So I think that's why I probably took a lot longer than I usually do with usual TV shows. But definitely, I, I, I can't say that when Volume 2 comes out, I will be there watching the, both episodes as soon as they drop. And overall, when it comes to going into the season, I know I'm taking along with the setup. I was quite nervous because they've taken a very long time with this season and they keep telling us it's bigger. And whenever a show tells me that, I kind of just roll my eyes at this point because rarely do I really notice it. But I have to say, when it comes to Stranger Things 4, I definitely noticed it. And luckily, all my skepticism about the season was kind of blown out the water by the end of the first episode. So let's start off with my review of season 4. And the first thing that I noticed right off the bat this season, and although though, though this show has already already always been great on a technical level, I have to say that I saw the filmmaking this season took a massive step up. Now, like I said, it was always great, but I loved what I was seeing when it came to the season, especially when it came to the directing and cinematography. Now, the directing felt a bit more dynamic this season. There were a lot of very long takes, which I'll talk about a bit more later. But also when it comes to the cinematography, there were so many cool dynamic and very just long and dazzling looking shots that would kind of just flip and then move to a different scene would kind of go upside down obviously you know what I'm hinting at and there were some really cool uses of the camera that I didn't really notice in previous seasons and I really took notice of them here and I really loved them also you can tell that the visual effects when it came to the season definitely got better season three a lot of the more monstrous and sequences involving the you know let's say the mind flayer definitely used a lot of cgi but most of it was in the dark and you couldn't really tell so i think i liked that this season there there's a lot more of showing these 
villains in more, I wouldn't say broad daylight, but definitely with more clarity. But you can tell that the CGI and VFX definitely took a step up for the most part. And I really loved all the technical aspects of this season. And moving from this point on, I'd just like to give a massive spoiler warning if you haven't seen season four yet. So spoiler alert, now that I'm going get, to get into the actual storylines. Now, if you didn't know, this season definitely splits up the cast. And I'm really curious to see whether that was a decision on the writer's part or that was because of each actor's schedule. Because definitely the actors of the show, particularly Millie Bobby Brown and Finn Wolf, or at least of the teenage actors, have def- you've definitely been seeing them in a lot more big blockbusters, such as Finn Wolfhard recently in Ghostbusters, Millie Bobby Brown being in the Godzilla films. I'm wondering whether their their kind of rise to fame and them just being more wanted was partly due to why they needed to find a story which split the cast up, or whether it was actually what they intended to do. But either way, I think it mostly worked. The only problem was that it kind of created this very uneven feel, which I'll get into more later. But first, this is how I'm going to structure this review. I'm pretty much just going to talk about the individual storylines, then get into talking about the finale, and then getting into some of my issues at the end that kind of don't really relate to this. So let's start off with talking about the strongest part of the season, in my opinion, without a doubt, and that is everything that was going on in Hawkins. And I was talking to someone else earlier how it was kind of funny that this show, when it came to the season, built up this epic grand scale. We're going to... Full on toilets. Now we are going to, we are going to, um, we are going to uh, Russia. We're going to uh, California, and still the strongest part of the show is still when we're back at home in Hawkins, because the Hawkins crew is definitely the standout of the season, and especially the storyline there was definitely my favorite part of the season. So getting into the individual characters, I guess, which we'll do first. There's definitely some tension built up with Lucas from the very beginning, who I hated at the beginning of the season for everything he stood for as a character for the first few episodes, but he definitely came back and rejoined the team later. They set up this mystery involving this girl named Chrissy who's murdered in Eddie's trailer, the new character introduced, which I'll also talk about the new characters a bit bit later. And this storyline kind of plays out where Eddie is kind of being framed for murder, or people believed believe he's being murdered, and Chrissy's boyfriend, Jason, and the basketball team, which also includes Lucas, is going out to hunt Jay- to hunt uh, Eddie and convict him for what he's done. But in the meantime, uh, we have Dustin and Mike, who are the only, left, uh, only ones left of the teenagers who want to be in this Hellfire Club. Of course, we have Max, who we'll talk about in a little bit. But, but uh, Dustin and Mike are now part of this Hellfire Club. And they kind of all they just do is play Dungeons and Dragons together. And there's a really fun storyline at the beginning where we have Lucas and him having a basketball game, but then it kind of collided with this big event they're doing. So he wanted them to move it around. Obviously, Lucas chose not to do so. Although Lucas is kind of hanging out with the cool kids this time around. And at the beginning, we have Dustin and Mike kind of just off alone. But then obviously, Mike goes to California. And when it comes to the storyline, we're left with just Dustin and kind of our crew from season three who was with Dustin as well as Lucas and Max. And talking about that now, so obviously the storyline with um, Lucas, he, there's a lot of tension between him in some ways, between him and the team because he's hanging out with the cool kids, but he does come back around later with our actual gang and he does rejoin the team. But overall, I just really liked the tone whenever we, we were in Hawkins. It felt much darker, which I really appreciated. 
And it was kind of the centerpiece of the Vecna storyline, which I think was one of the strongest parts of the season. It was definitely the most concerned with dealing with the big bad. And because that, it felt like the most focused part of the storyline, which was interesting. And also, it had a really great unraveling of mystery, and the narrative just felt more dense in a way that worked and never felt overly convoluted. And But it always felt essential to the plot of the season, unlike another storyline, which I'll get into later. And when it comes to the storyline, the surprise standout was definitely Sadie Sink, who plays Max, who was introduced in season two, so not part of the original crew. But I feel like the more she's been in the show, the more I've liked her. And obviously, when it comes came to season three, her brother Billy sacrificed himself. And she's kind of had to have to hide that from everyone else. And also, she's you know going to a therapist. And we see that she is, is she has a lot of demons this season. And particularly when it comes to an episode titled Dear Billy, Episode 4, which was actually directed by Sean Levy, of, who recently directed Free Guy as well as The Adam Project. That was probably the best episode of the season, one of the best episodes of the whole show, because it was such an emotional episode and such a character-driven episode. And it kind of all relied on Sadie Singh's performance. She gave an incredible performance. And that's the episode that definitely had the most tension in a way. And also, I just love how we dealt with this character's pain and how she kind of struggled. She didn't really want to say what she needed to say out loud because she, she was kind of nervous about it. And also, she just wanted to make sure. She wrote these letters and wanted to make sure that everyone did hear her side of things and kind of what each each of the characters means to her. And I really like the way they showed her character growth in this season. So obviously when it comes to the storyline, we have Steve and Dustin back together, especially once uh, the murders start beginning and then Steve and not uh, Dustin and Max go first go to uh, Steve and Robin, who work at, um, I believe it was Blockbuster, and go to, they go to them for help. And I really like them pairing uh, Dustin, Steve, as well as... Um, as well as Robin back together, because them three together was one of my favorite parts of season three, and Robin was one of my favorite characters introduced last season, actually probably my favorite, and I loved seeing her back here and seeing her a bit more vulnerable and less confident because of the, of the event and her, her, her the scene she had with Steve. They're both dealing with some more adult stuff now this season, but they do get dragged back into this mystery, and I think the comedy was definitely at its strongest when this group was together, and especially between Dustin and Steve, who's pro- still probably my favorite dynamic duo, I guess, of the season. And Dustin's definitely always been my personal favorite of the teenage characters, and he's still great here, and I loved their dynamic here. But also, we do get Nancy also part of this storyline, and what she's doing is she is, uh, she is now a leader of the school newspaper, and she wants to find out about these murders that have been happening and for, is the first one to kind of connect Victor Creel to the actions of Vecna because she talks to one of the, she talks to one of the, uh, the uh, I believe it was Eddie's uncle who was not there but lives in, who owns that trailer that the murder first happened in and goes on this journey to find out about Victor Quill and actually leads her to some very dark, a very dark path at the end of the season where she's taken, she's the one taken by Vecna because she's the one who fig- started figuring this all out. And this leads to the first meeting between Nancy and Robin and we see them working together and them becoming friends and then having to go undercover, going to talk to Victor Quill who was played by Robert England, Freddy Krueger himself 
and which was a really great scene and I loved their dynamic and them getting to know each other a bit and them actually becoming friends. And although obviously there's tension there because Robin's a very loud character and Nancy's more soft-spoken, I think they connected really well in this season. They were one of my favorite new pair pairing ups this season. And overall, I just really loved the way the murders were filmed and just the horror on display, which I'll talk about a bit more later. But I just love this side of the storyline. I love the unraveling of mystery. And I love the way the group was constantly, was just always together. And this was definitely the largest group of the different crews. And it felt like that's when the, the dynamic was so strong. And the screen never, I was never overwhelmed by the characters because they just worked so well together and I'll talk about where their storyline goes in the finale when we talk about the finale. Now let's talk about what I believe to be by far the weakest storyline in the season and that is the California crew as I'm going to call them for this uh, episode. This is kind of Mike and his storyline where he goes to California to meet up and reunite with Eleven and Will is also leaving, living there and also we have Joyce and uh, Murray also there, although they get separated, and I'll talk about them a bit more later. But I have to say that when it came to this side of the storyline, especially once Eleven left and went off to do her own thing, which I believe was at the end of episode three, this storyline felt really unnecessary. And this, obviously, we also have Jonathan, who's becoming a pretty, I feel like, useless character on the show. I don't think he's really adding anything and really felt like just a plot device to kind of be the be the adult this time around. We get a new character introduced. I believe his name is Argyle. I don't think he added much to the show either, and I didn't really find him very funny for the most part, but that was just me. And then when it came to the storyline, it actually highlighted a lot of my issues with the show, and that is firstly that I felt like Will Byers has been by far one of the most wasted characters on the show. Noah Schnapp, I think, is a great young actor, but when it comes to the character Will Byers, he's either been a plot device or just been the guy sitting off on the side neglected by the rest of the group which is an interesting side of the story but he's just never given the spot spotlight even though he's always there mike is always the one in the forefront and i get it mike's one of the one of the lead characters on the show but i personally find him to probably be the least interesting character on the whole show in terms of the main characters so i would like the share the screen share to kind of be separated a bit more and when it came to the storyline, once Eleven left and went off to do another thing, which I'll talk about in just a second, this storyline really felt redundant and really didn't feel like we were going anywhere except for just searching for Eleven. And I felt like in some episodes, there was just too much going on with the storyline that really didn't need to happen. Like, I will say, there was a really cool one-take shootout in this, in, in this part of the storyline, which was easily the highlight of it, and actually... I would actually be interested on, in like whoever directed that episode to do their own show because it's a really cool sequence. But we, it even leads to them going to Susie to kind of hack into the location of where Eleven and the Nina project is being kept. But once Eleven had left and after the storyline with her getting bullied, which I'll talk about in a bit, this storyline, they were kind of just moving around, not really doing anything. And this was easily the weakest part of the season. And it shows because I felt like in the final episode, I believe it was episode seven, I don't even know if this storyline was touched on, or I guess it was, but mainly closer to the beginning and really not for that long at all because it was just really unnecessary the closer we got to the end of the season, in my personal opinion. And now we're going to talk about um, Eleven's storyline this season because her, with her, 
we get reunited with the character we met a few seasons ago. I don't remember if it was season three or two. And eleven and eleven after we get where she you know she meets back up with Mike. We have this incident where she attacks her bully with a, a plastic was it roller skate, and that obviously left a massive scar and led to kind of the authorities being wanting to take her away. And well, obviously first we get a, a glimpse into her life of click in California, and it was just so sad to see and really interesting the direction they went, which is that she's kind of been lying to Mike to kind of show that she's actually being she's living much better there than she actually was. And I feel like they did a great job of showing her journey this season and her wanting her superpowers back in so many moments where she felt like she still she um, still had. And her journey this season is pretty much her kind of just a trip through memory lane and her going into her past, going into... We again go back to um, Papa or Dr. Brenner and we see him again and we see Eleven at, at, the, at the facility where she first was born. You know, we see... The development of her powers, we see her meeting this character named, uh, who gets revealed to be much more, which I believe the character of Peter and kind of him trying to make Eleven stronger, trying to show that she's the strongest of the kids there. And there's some really great moments again where we have her being bullied and it's a nice, um, nice piece to go with how the season began and how she's always kind of had to deal with this. And I thought there was a great way to show that in this season that even when she had superpowers, she was still kind of the kid that would get picked on because she did struggle to manifest them at first. And I thought that was a really interesting way to take things. I liked seeing the character of Dr. Brenner back and I especially liked the flashback sequences quite a bit. Originally, I was kind of confused why we were spending so much time in this storyline and going back to the flashbacks, but the more time that went on, the clearer kind of the wider picture of the season became and I think especially by the finale a lot of my issues definitely come around and I really liked this and I think a lot of that was due to Millie Bobby Brown's performance she is absolutely carrying this side of the storyline but she's making it really great because firstly the writing for her character has always been fantastic but she's always been so believable but it was just really fascinating to see Eleven's backstory and seeing where a lot of her personality or her powers first came from, and a lot of references we've had to her youth finally being coming on screen, and I really enjoyed that in this side of the storyline. Now we get into the side of the storyline that was a lot of fun, and that was Hopper's storyline. Now, obviously, on the surface, you might think that, oh, the storyline's going to be like one of the darker bits, because we thought Hopper had died, and now he's in a Russian prison, and we meet this character named Enzo, which is one of my favorite new additions to this season. I thought he was so much fun. And we get the storyline of Hopper in Russia and Joyce receiving this doll at the beginning of the season and her kind of being and being shown that Hopper is indeed alive. And and then we get her and Murray reteaming back up and traveling to meet this character named Yuri at first and then going over to Russia to kind of try to get Hopper out. And there's a lot of shenanigans that take place throughout this time. And firstly, I just really liked the character of Enzo. I thought he was a lot of fun, very fun personality. Even the character introduced later by the name of Yuri, I thought he was a lot of fun. Especially when we were inside the Russian prison, I thought this storyline actually excelled. I was actually a big fan of it. There was a bit more action than you usually expect in Stranger Things from this storyline. And I really, really appreciated that action. I thought it was mostly very well filmed. Like there was an action that was towards the end with the Demogorgon, which although the special effects weren't great, I liked the way the horror bits were shot. And I really 
just like the way they did that. And I just didn't expect. I will say, though, that whenever it was just Joyce and Murray hanging around doing their thing, I didn't I rarely found them funny. And I also felt like they just spent way too much time trying to create this very topsy turvy twisty plot about how to get Joyce and Murray to Russia. Well, I felt like a more simplified one and less time focused on that may have worked better because whenever we are in Russia and we're focused on Hopper and he's very reflective and he's pondering. It's great because David Harbour in this season is probably, is probably not going to get as much credit as he de- deserves because he definitely gives the quietest performance we've ever seen from him. But I think I thought he was absolutely spectacular in this season. And there's so many moments which are him just staring out of his jail cell or talking to Enzo that you can tell so much emotion that he's trying to hide away. And I just love this performance here. But I did really enjoy the side of the story about him trying to escape the prison and trying to do all these things, such as trying to pull these very scammy moves and working with Enzo and paying him off and bribing him. I did enjoy this very different side of Hopper, considering we always saw him as the police chief. And now he just wants to do everything to get back to Hawkins and Joyce and Eleven. And I just really like seeing this different side of Hopper. But I will say, whenever we did go to just Joyce and Murray... I don't know how well it actually held up on its own. And I, I think they kind of struggled to really keep up their own interesting side of the storyline. And I felt like they maybe could have taken a, a less uh, backseat on the show compared to how much we had actually got. But whenever we were in Russia, I was actually really loving the side of the storyline, to be honest. And because I just touched on it, I will say when it comes to the new characters on the show, I don't think they stood out quite as much as they did in season three. Because obviously we have Enzo introduced and he was great. But when it comes to the other characters like Eddie Munson or or um, Jason or the, the basketball crew and any of those guys, I don't think they would, they quite stood out. And I felt like they were kind of characters with similar personalities to people we've seen before and pretty hard to sympathize with. And also, But we did have some great new characters introduced in Hopper's side of the storyline. And when it comes to like the character of Argyle, I don't think he really added much and I never found him to be all that funny. But I did enjoy meeting some new characters we did in Eleven's storyline. And I will say also, this season definitely steps it up in the brutal and dark tone that we kind of moved closer to in season three. Firstly, this season is definitely the darkest. The subject matter is by far the darkest. It definitely um, it definitely gets very creepy with kind of the Victor Creel side of the storyline whenever we got there. And then with the with the Vecna character, the villain of the season, kind of being the big bad of the Upside Down, it seems, and kind of being the five-star general, as um, Dustin references him in the finale. I think we'll say, I think he's probably the strongest villain of the show so far, because we, he's actually has a, a nuanced and layered backstory. But also, we just see him more than we ever saw the other villains, like the Mind Flayer. He worked for the season, but definitely wasn't one of the strongest things of that season, of season three. And when it comes to Vecna, whenever he was on screen, I loved the presence he showed. And the body horror on display during the, the, the murder sequences were actually pretty terrifying at the beginning. And I thought a lot of the effects, which looked pretty practical to me, worked phenomenal. And I just liked how much more brutal and violent this season got compared to previous seasons. And I think for the most part, I think the darker tone fit the storyline they wanted to tell. And got really creepy in like some of the Victor Creel sequences as well as the reveals that we got in the finale. And speaking of the finale, let's talk about the finale. 
So overall, when it came to the finale, which is a bit more of a mid-season finale than an actual finale, I think for the most part, it worked up really well at setting up an intriguing second part and also at closing out some of the storylines. I will say that it's overall left very open-ended. It's very unresolved. Like We still don't have Jonathan and Nancy, and we don't, we don't see them reconnecting. We don't see Mike reaching 11. There's so much left unresolved, and it makes sense why the next episode is like over an hour long. And then episode, the finale, episode nine, I believe is like over two and a half hours, if I'm not wrong. And you can absolutely see why, because there is so much left to be resolved. And I'm sure some of it will be left for season five, which I believe will be the final season. And I'm really curious to see how all that is going to play out. But when it came to this finale, I think the thing that I loved was seeing um, Nancy and Steve and uh, Eddie as well as Robin in the Upside Down and them trying to communicate with Dustin Lucas and as well as um, Max up on the in the real world in Hawkins. And I really enjoyed them learning to communicate because we always had Joyce doing that with Will in season one, but it's good that they also learned it in this season. And I really enjoyed the sequence that we've spent with Eleven because it really felt like the tension was high there. We were clearly building up to something. I think the finale does do a few things that slightly concern me. I think the first thing that kind of concerned me was how they tried to connect the villains of every season how Dustin kind of talked about how um, the Mind Flayer was, you know, in control of the Demogorgons, but then uh, the Vecna is like the five-star general of the Demogorgons. And I liked, I liked that they're trying to make the Upside Down seem like a more, a more complete entity than we've seen so far. But it does feel like they're making the world a bit smaller by doing this, and it doesn't seem really like... It felt a bit contrived the way that Dustin just figured it out. And I did feel like it didn't really feel natural to me. I don't know if this is what the show's always been planning, but it felt like the creators came up with this very late. I don't know. It felt a bit contrived to me personally. And the reveal of Vecna to be Peter, who's been working with Eleven and Peter, and the reveal of Peter to actually be number one, and then also um, the reveal that he's actually, um, uh, he's actually Victor Creel's son, I will say I think they may have layered a few too many um a few too many um twists on at once. Like firstly we didn't even know that uh the character of Peter was one, although I admittedly I think that was kind of hinted at earlier when we had I really like the attention to detail that kind of hinted at a few of these things that we had Peter being one, Peter saying that, you know, you remind me of someone and it obviously ended up in fact to being him him that he was one and I think that that reveal I don't think was all that surprising I thought it was pretty easy to predict and I think the more we the more we moved along and me just wondering where they're going with this and why they're spending so much time with this character I thought it was actually not too surprising when it was revealed that this character was Vecna like I can't really say I was predicting it or expecting it to happen but the more we got into the finale I actually said out loud I'm like oh I bet he's Vecna and it does end up revealing that he is indeed Vecna and he got taken out by Eleven at the end of the storyline which I thought was a really cool scene and I love the way they kind of teased you with making you think Eleven was the one who killed all those kids but that indeed in fact was actually not true and it was actually Vecna himself but the part that I thought maybe they could have moved up to earlier on was revealing that Vecna was um, Victor Creel's son because firstly this is the part that I actually didn't expect at all because I thought 
with the Victor Quill thing, once we found out what happened, I thought, okay, so they're just going to explain that maybe Vecna maybe was hurt from his um, encounter with Victor Quill. Although the, the more the season went on, the more they were delaying revealing Vecna's identity. And then once, but I feel like if they had revealed the, the side of him being Victor Quill's son earlier, I wouldn't have wondered any more. And I would have been genuinely shocked when it was revealed that one was actually Victor Quill's son. And thus, he was Vecna. But when it came to this reveal, I d- when it came to the reveal of Vecna, I think maybe they should have split off the two different sides of the twist to, to a bit earlier in the show. To a bit earlier in the show. Just split one of them into like episode four or five so that I'm not expecting another one to happen. And because of that, it felt like we were laying so much on top of everything that I just think parts of it were less surprising than they were. And it felt a bit... It kind of, it definitely took, it definitely put me off a bit at first, but I think the more, but I did definitely get more on board the more we went on. And when it comes to other criticisms, I will say, I think overall this season definitely felt a bit too sporadic. There's way too many jump cuts to different storylines, which were really frustrating considering I thought some storylines were much better than others. I think most of them can, can kept a fairly consistent, I was enjoying it kind of quality. But I will say, especially the California storyline, whenever we cut to that, I found it to be really frustrating and made the season felt very sporadic. And I just personally kind of really miss the cast being together. I think they're just, they're very much the heart of the show. It's not the story. It's not the upside down. It's not the horror. To me, it's always been the cast. They're the heart of the show. They're the reason I watch it. They're the reason I love it. And I do hope when it comes to the final season, we can find a way to have more of them together, even though it is a very large cast. And I do think some of them really, it really needs to start being cut down. And that is part of, that kind of, I will say, took away my enjoyment from only some of the storylines, particularly, again, the California storyline. It really felt like because we didn't have some of my favorite characters in that, though that that storyline almost like just combined my least favorite characters on the show and because of that it just was the most uninteresting in terms of characters and was also the weakest in terms of storyline so because of that i do think that i do hope they find a bit of a better balance or maybe just put them all in hawkins for the final season and definitely try to you know give different dynamics throughout the season and not make one dynamic feel stale and i think that's really probably my biggest criticism with um this season that said it felt a bit too sporadic whenever it was moving around although that definitely does explain the extended runtime of the episodes but overall when it comes to stranger things 4 volume 1 i did really like the first part of stranger things 4 and it actually really surprised me which how with how much i was loving the story loving the unraveling of mystery of vecna especially loving 11's backstory loving the hawkins crew Really enjoying Hopper's side of the story in Russia, although there were some weaker parts of that. But I think the California side of the story was definitely the weakest aspect of the show when it came to this season. I'm not going to give this season a grade yet. I'll give it one once Volume 2 comes out. And please make sure to come back to this when Volume 2 comes out because I will absolutely be talking about Volume 2 as soon as it releases, as soon as I get to see it, of course. So make sure to come back for that, and there I'll give my final thoughts on the whole season. Because it's hard to kind of culminate your thoughts right now when you still have two episodes left of a nine-episode season. So with that, all that said, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed the spoiler review of Strange Things 4 Volume 1. I had a fantastic time watching it, and I thought it actually massively exceeded my expectations. So if you're still here and you listen to all the spoilers, but for some reason you haven't seen it, 
and you're worried about this season, you're going to wait off to see closer to season four, volume two. I actually do think for the most part, you could probably watch it now and not get too frustrated waiting for volume two. So I do absolutely recommend you to go check out this season as soon as you can if you haven't already and you're a fan of Stranger Things. And if you haven't watched Stranger Things, what are you still doing here? Go watch Stranger Things. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll catch you all next time. Bye-bye.